So we're talking about united and uh, united with Christ, enjoying what it means to have the privilege of living as sons and daughters of the Most High God. This month, just so you know, in November, we're focusing a lot on theology. Why is theology important? Because theology is like the steel girders that gives us the strength and the backbone uh, in our ministry and in our lives. We got to build our lives on truth, and the, and the place we find truth is in God's Word. Can I get an amen on that? So theology is not stuff for dry, boring, Greek and Hebrew-loving people. Um, theology is for everybody. In fact, you're all theologians. The question is, how good of a theologian are you? Theology is simply the study of God or the knowledge of God. And how many of you think that's important knowledge to be had? And so we're all theologians. doesn't mean you have to go off and spend years, again, studying biblical languages to be a theologian. But every day we spend time with God. Every day get in His Word. Every day we're students of the Word. And what's our goal? We're pursuing the knowledge of God, the knowledge and intimacy with Jesus, and a, a knowledge of the Holy Spirit and how we can relate to Him. And this whole book is, is one big story. It, it, the overview is, is right here. It's the picture of God's crazy love for his people and how he goes about redeeming them and bringing them back to himself. So in every chapter, in every book of the Bible, you're looking for Jesus and you're looking for that thread of redemption that's running through. Theology is important because good theology leads to good practice. Orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. Those are fancy words for good theology and good ideas and good truth leads to good living. And how many of you know we've got to move into good living? It's not enough just to come to church. We've got to start being the church. It's not enough to learn about God. We have to start looking and acting like God. Amen? And so um, we're going to move from theology in November to practical life in the month of December. What I mean by that is, okay, we're talking about being united with Christ. What does that mean? But then when we get into next month, we're going to talk about actually living from a place of union with Christ. What does it mean to abide in Christ? Like, how do you do that? You know, I think lots of times in the local church, we're guilty of encouraging you to live and do and this and that, but we don't really give you the how-tos. How many of you know it's important to get the how-tos? Like, Pastor, I get this. I want to be united with Christ. I, I want to experience Him. But how do you do that? Well, that's what the month of December is for. We're going to talk about putting some flesh on this and living it out and how to experience him and live in, in union and intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm really excited about that. I shared uh, two Sundays ago when we kicked this series off that this is a mystery. The whole phrase union with Christ, united with Christ, is mysterious. That's why whenever the Bible talks about mysteries, mysteries are not things that we can't figure out. Mysteries are things that we need to press into. How I many of you know I shared the example of, of marriage? Sometimes in marriage we get... We get into the mystery of marriage with our spouse, and we're like, oh, I'm never going to figure that person out. Oh, no, no, that's the wrong attitude. The attitude is not frustration, but the attitude is fascination. In other words, my wife is a mystery. I love her. I'm going to press in to know her. I'm going to spend the rest of my life getting to know how she's wired differently from me so that I can appreciate the mystery, not be frustrated by it. Same thing with the Lord. I mean, you know, we're called, sometimes trying to get our brains around what God has called us into, it's too big for us to understand in the natural. That's why Paul said, you, you can't experience the love of God apart from a revelation that's supernatural by the Holy Spirit. How many of you know it takes God to know God? It takes God to know God. 
which means we have to constantly be dependent upon him and in a posture where we're saying, Lord, help me understand and know you and love you the way that you deserve to be known and loved. We need God to help us with this. But that's the mystery, which is why whenever you read about mysteries in the Bible, you also stumble upon metaphors. What are metaphors? Well, metaphors are like this. Well, you know, union with God is like marriage. Union with God is like Jesus being the head and us being the body. How many of you can understand that union? Like you cut your head off, you're not good for much, right? You cut the head off, Jesus off, and all of a sudden we're, the bodies can do nothing. We need the head. But the head has ordained itself that it needs the body to express itself. So it's this beautiful union, is it not? How about this one from 1 Peter? We are living stones. Can I just tell you this? Our name is a mystery. How many times have you shared your name of your church with people and they're like, what? Where's that? A living? And we've been called Rolling Stones. We've been called uh, Church of the Living Fellow Stones. I mean, it's, we get, you should see the kind of mail we get, all right? That's because our name is mysterious. Stones are not alive. Stones are dead. But the Bible says he will take our dead stony hearts and give us a heart of flesh and that stone will become living, and we'll be living stones, and, and we're living stones that we're being built into a spiritual house. Well, what's that? Well, I don't know. It's a mystery, but we're living stones. We're bricks. We're mortar. We're God's putting into this amazing, beautiful house called the church. So we're living stones, and it makes people's brains fry when they try to think about who we are, this mysterious group of people. It's kind of fun, though, isn't it? All right, so anyway. The metaphors push us into the mystery, and I want to encourage you, spend the rest of your days pursuing what it means to be united with Jesus. And isn't it a tragedy? I give this example. Say I'm going to take Ed and Chris out. Uh, Marion and I are going to double date. We're taking them out to this fancy restaurant, and we sit down, and I pull out the menu, and I said, oh, oh, let me tell you about the third dish there. And I start going into all the details of the ingredients and how it's prepared and oh my goodness and then we go, oh somebody Chris says well what about this oh that is amazing and I tell him about the chef and I tell him about where he came from and I tell him about how this place got the history of this fine restaurant and then all of a sudden the waiter comes out and says sir to me what would you like to eat and I get up with my wife and say, oh, we're not here to eat. We're just here to tell you about the menu and how the church, or how the, I'm sorry, how this place got started and, and uh, about the chef. He's amazing. But we're really not interested in eating. What I just described for you is what most people do on Sunday morning. We go to Bible studies. We know the history. Let me tell you about Jesus, how the church got started. Let me tell you about what that verse means. But we've never tasted of the menu. We never eat the dish. But we're experts on telling you about the ingredients. You know, here's my bigger concern as my pastoral concern. Like, Pastor, why are you spending, you know, two months talking about union with Christ? Let me tell you why. There's a very practical reason. There is a growing group of people in our culture called the nuns. I'm not talking about Catholic sisters. That's not N-U-N. I'm talking about N-O-N-E-S. Who are the nuns? The nuns are those who claim no affiliation with Christ or his church. It's the biggest growing population in America. And the sad thing is many of these nuns have had some experience in some way 
with the institution of the church. But I want you to hear, in other words, they've been to the restaurant and they checked out the menu. But they didn't order and they didn't eat. And so here's what we're finding happening. A lot of people turning their back on any kind of relationship with God, any kind of relationship with God's people, uh, and it's a tragedy. Here's another thing that I'm seeing. Somehow we are able to, as spiritual leaders in this country, to go through the motions of church life, I mean, drawing people, having a band, singing songs, preaching sermons, um, and yet there are leaders, spiritual leaders, elders, pastors, so forth, that are either having incredible moral crashes or who are completely turning their backs on the faith after they've been leading God's people. How in the world is this possible? Let me tell you how it's possible. You can run a great Sunday show and have no union with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about practical relationship, knowing, loving, pursuing, following, pursuing knowledge of, trying to live our lives under the banner of his lordship, wanting to hear his voice, spending time with him, singing songs to him, not just singing songs about him. How many of you know you can be a great religious person and go straight to hell? I mean, this should cause us all to be sober. What I want to know is, is your encounter with Jesus so profoundly real that you can't imagine life without him? Is there any romance in your heart toward Jesus? I mean, fiery affection. I mean, the kind of, for men, let me help you out. For, for men, I'm talking about the kind of foxhole affection that happens when you're with a group of soldiers and you're willing to lay down your life for the man next to you because you love that person and you love the cause that you're fighting for. That, that, that helps us as men understand that type of deep affection that we have, not in a romantic way, but in a way that says, I would give my life for you. That's how much I love you. That's what salvation means. It's not going to the religious health club and trying to be the better version of us. That's not what this is about. That's why Paul over 160 times in his letters talked about union with Jesus. This is radical, union, organic, living, coming together. That's why I gave you that example. It was the best example I could think of, of the, the water in the tea bag. When that tea bag goes into that water, it's no longer water. It becomes something entirely new and different. And isn't this what the Bible says? And I want to I caution us in the church. The Bible says this. If any man is in Christ, united with Christ, he is a new creation. The old person is gone. Behold, behold, everything is new. Now, can I just share this with you? Sometimes I think in the church, we don't really believe that. And I was thinking about this a few weeks ago. Do you know that the person in the Bible who revealed to us was a spokesperson for the law of God, right? Moses. Moses committed murder. Do you know that the Apostle Paul, who was the Apostle of grace, right, revealed the grace of God through Jesus Christ, was a murderer? Do you know that King David who revealed to us the heart of God, a man after God's own heart. What was he? 
a murderer, and an adulterer. I mean, you know, God's trying to get a point across here. That if any man or woman is in Christ, they're new creations. The old is gone. Behold, we're no longer dealing with water. We're dealing with sweet tea. Come on. Not just any run of the, we're dealing with sweet tea from the south, good old southern sweet tea. That's now sweet to drink. This means that the church is a place where we don't focus on our B.C. days. We focus on our new days in Christ. And we don't hold people accountable for where they were. We celebrate who they are. That's a message we need to be trumpeting in this place. That it's the grace of God that takes broken people, sinful people, wicked people, and not just is a self-improvement project. Thank God that he doesn't just put a new, slap some new paint and veneer on. He makes us new from the inside out. That's the gospel. I want us to look today on what it means to be lavished with spiritual blessings. I'm going to hit this quick. Look with me in Ephesians. We're going to start reading uh, verse 3. But I want to share something with you. In the Greek, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, all the way to verse 14. So verse 3 to verse 14 is one sentence in the Greek. I mean, you know, that's a whopper sentence from the Apostle Paul, all right? That's a, he's piling on truth after truth after truth after truth, and it would probably hit us more if we read it as one long sentence. Ours is broken up into bite-sized pieces. But look at verse 3 with me. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Here's a word I circled in my Bible. I encourage you to interact with your Bible. Get it out, read it, circle it, highlight it. Because, everybody say because. Because, it means every spiritual blessing is coming our way. But why? Because, here's why. We are united with Christ. How many of you know if you're not, if you're not united in intimate union with Jesus, then all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places, and I'll highlight what those are in just a moment, will not come your way because they come on the basis of or on the virtue of your being united with Jesus Christ. Look at what it says. I love the, the Passion Translation here. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms has already been lavished upon us. Everybody say lavished. That means God is being extravagant. It means he's piling it on. He's not, he's not just dishing out one blessing for you. One, he's lavishing us with blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Look at it. It says, as a love gift. Oh, I love this. A love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father the Father of our Lord Jesus. Why is he doing this? All because he sees us wrapped in Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. You know why we worship, and I want to drive this home again. Why are we here on the first day of the week? Why are we here together on this first day of the week? Why are we singing in this place? Because we don't come to church first and foremost for us. We come to worship him. All of the spiritual blessings that we need in our lives, and we are needy people, we need blessing. All those blessings come out of virtue of our union with Jesus. So what do we do here on Sunday morning? We pour out our affection. Isn't that what worship is? What are these worship songs? We're singing love songs to Jesus. 
We're singing about the greatness of God. And I want to encourage you, don't, especially the men, some of us have been so damaged, we've got father wounds, we've got mother wounds, not just men, men and women, all of us were broken. But the first revelation is the revelation that God is trying to pour blessing on us as a love gift. He's lavishing his affection on us, and we don't know how to receive it many times. So I want to encourage all of us, when we come into worship, and I love the word that Pastor Dick had, man, let's start tailgating. It amazes me that during football season, people will spend their entire day, their entire weekend focusing on taking a piece of leather and getting it in the end zone. Now, hear me. I like football. I enjoy watching football. But I can't imagine that football would be somebody's life or that you'd build everything around it. I can't imagine making Jesus our life and building everything we do around Jesus and celebrating it. Why do we create that space out there? Why do we have that cafe? I'll tell you why. It's for tailgating. It's for being with one another and doing life together and then coming into this place and worshiping the Lord, which is why I want to challenge you all. We're not here to worship coffee. So get out of the cafe and get in here on time to worship, all right, you little... You little coffee hounds, I know where you're at, all right? Get here early and drink your coffee. Please do so. That's why we created that. But let's be early so when the first note hits, we're bringing our A game. Are you with me? We're bringing our A game. So I want to show you this morning, there is a threefold cord of blessing. The entire Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have pursued us for one purpose, intimacy and union with God Almighty. And I want to show you that from this passage. So we talked about the spiritual blessings. Look with me at verses 4 through 6. Because here's an important truth you need to see today. You have been chosen by the Father for union with Christ. Even before he made the world. Wow. God loved us. Everybody say loved us. He chose us. Say chose us. In Christ. To be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us. That's another word. Say that with me. Adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Check this out. This is what he wanted to do. In other words, this was God's will. And it brought him great pleasure, which means he didn't have to do it. He wanted to do it. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Now, Pastor, how do you develop intimacy with God? How do, you, how do you keep that fiery romance? Well, theology precedes experience, and so let's just pause here. How many of you think it's, it is mind-blowing that before God created anything, he knew you by name, and he chose you, and he loved you? And he brought you and adopted you, picked you, brought you into his home, into his family. Before he ever spoke creation into existence, this is mind-blowing. I've had moments in prayer with the Lord or in worship with the Lord when I have got my brain around that. And this is what I said, who am I that the one who spoke the cosmos into existence and knows the billions and trillions of stars by name who calls on birds to feed prophets, who speaks to storms, even the wind and waves obey him. 
He knew me before the foundation of the world. He called me by name, and his goal was to bring me to himself so that he could have relationship with me forever. Some of you need to hear this. You have a heavenly father who longs to know you and connect with you. There's not a parent in this room that has not at at one time felt disconnected from one of their children. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're trying to get in there and you're wanting, to ha- you're wanting a heart-to-heart and you feel cut off and separated and it's the worst feeling in the world because, listen, it is the longing of every father's heart to be deeply connected with his kids. Am I speaking the truth here? And I'm telling you, that is a foretaste of your heavenly father. What we experience this much, he is in the fullness There's a longing in the Father's heart to love you, connect with you, encourage you, father you uh, like no other. And how many of you know we struggle with that? We struggle with relationship with God because we're wounded, we're hurt, we're damaged, we got bad ideas. I'm telling you, if you just meditated on on that verse right there and really meditated on it it it, and asked the Holy Spirit to make that truth in your heart, God God would blow your circuits. Because this is the God that's pursuing us in love. I'm going to move on ahead. I had a couple other verses, but I'm going to move on for the sake of time. Second thing that this passage tells us, look at verses 7 and 8. We've not only been chosen by God, but we have been redeemed by the Son. Look at what it says in in verse 7. He, meaning God the Father, is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son, and he forgave our sins. How many of you know every single blessing we have is blood-bought? It costs God his son. Sometimes we go through life, things happen to us, we experience loss and hurt and pain and suffering, and and the tendency is, because the devil's always there to exploit those moments, to whisper in our ear, where's God? Does God care? Are you kidding me? God gave the life of his son and shed his blood because he's that serious about union with him and relationship with him. Where are you, God? I'll tell you where God was. He was giving his son and sending his one and only son to die for my sins so that I could have hope, so that I could have hope, so that you could have hope. I love the way the Passion Translation says this. Since we are now joined to Christ, union, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood and the total cancellation of our sins, all because, listen, of the cascading riches of his grace. The best picture of cascading is when you're on the beach and those waves come in, wave after wave after wave after wave. How many of you know that is the picture of the mercy of God cascading upon your life? You know, when I first heard one of the great saints of old teaching on this, and they used the example of the waves on the shore, every time I go to the beach, here's what I do. I sit down and I watch those waves. They just keep coming like clockwork, and I'm reminded that that is the unconditional, never-ending, unfailing love of God that just keeps coming up on the shores of my life. And how many of you know, every now and then, a giant one comes and knocks you off your feet. And it's like God just sweeping you off your feet, pulling you close, kissing all over you, and dropping you in the water, all right, and you're dunked. That's, That's the unrelenting love of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? demonstrated through the gift of his son, purchased in blood. That's how precious it is. And the Bible says here, total cancellation of our sins. Anybody grateful for that? 
Hallelujah. Every, hear me with this, every spiritual blessing that God gives us comes wrapped up in this package, Jesus. Christ is the fountain. Our union with him is the fountainhead from which all the blessings of God flow. And listen to me, every benefit of the gospel comes to us through and only through our union with Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, was preaching on this passage about union with Christ or on this topic. This is what he said. God called us in Christ. He justified us. That is, he declared us righteous in Christ. He sanctified us. That is, he's making us holy in Christ. He will perfect us in Christ. He will glorify us in Christ. We have everything in Christ, and we have nothing apart from Christ. How many of you know it's all about Jesus? It's all about our relationship with Jesus. Every hope that we have is rooted in Jesus Christ. He has given us repentance, faith, pardon, justification, adoption, sanctification, the ability to persevere, and finally glorification. Those are all promises. Those are all spiritual blessings that come wrapped up in this beautiful package named Jesus Christ. So much so that Colossians 2 verse 10 says, so you also are complete through your union with Jesus. When you get connected with Christ, what this is saying is you have everything that you need for life and godliness. Life and godliness. How I many you know this is like a really big deal, what I'm talking about here this morning? Your relationship with Jesus is the key and the access point for everything that you need. Now let me get to the last point here, and then I'm going to illustrate it. Third thing that we see in this passage is that the Holy Spirit's also working. we got God doing something. we got Jesus doing something. But look what the Holy Spirit's doing. This passage said we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Look with me at verses 13 and 14. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. That's beautiful, isn't it? Faith is the access point. It's the the vehicle that connects us in union with Jesus. So when we demonstrated faith in Christ, we believed in him, he identified us as his own. And look what he did. Here's how he identified us. He gave you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance that he has promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. I want you to notice, why does God bless us with every spiritual blessing? So that we can turn around and bless him back. Do you know that worship, when we come together for corporate worship, it completes the cycle of spiritual blessing. We have received spiritual blessing we release praise back to God, the, the, the Father of every blessing we've received. We worship Jesus, who's the vehicle, the means by which we receive, because they all come wrapped up in Christ. But I want you to see this, this word guarantee. The, the Passion Translation highlights the meaning of guarantee, which is a pledge, and it's actually an engagement ring. Listen to this. We have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and we experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. Now let me share with you. You know, when I was pursuing my wife and I fell in love with her and I came to the conclusion I cannot live without this woman being in my life, I went to her father. I set up an important meeting. And what do we do? We go to, our, to the father and we're asking for his blessing. 
I wanted to make sure he approved of me pursuing his daughter and that he approved of me asking for her hand in marriage. So I set up the meeting. Any of you ever been there? I've, I've been in a few of those on the other side too. I, I remember when Aaron set up that meeting for Lauren and I kept sitting there going, I can't believe this is me. I can't believe it's, I'm actually being asked the question. I mean, it was really a wild moment. But anyway. I was asking that question, and I got the blessing, and I popped the question, and what came with the question was a ring, and I planted that ring on my wife's finger, and that ring told everybody else that she is spoken for, and that I've pursued her heart, and that she has given me her heart, and that ring was a foretaste of what was to come, because there's a wedding coming where she gets the wedding band, and then we consummate the union, and everything that I am, I give to her, and everything she is, she gives to me, but at that moment, okay, she was, a, uh, she was working a summer job as an aerobics instructor at a health club, and she had men's night. I was not happy. She was wearing her little aerobic outfit, and she was teaching aerobics on men's night. I'm like, honey, bad career choice. What are you doing? Because guys started hitting on her, and she would do this. I'm spoken for. And they would say, you ain't spoken for until there's a ring on it, meaning the wedding ring. And she would tell them, oh, no, 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 no. You don't know the stud muffin that this ring is attached to. I'm, I'm, I'm embellishing this, but work with me, all right? Work with me. So, um, so I'm like, hon, you got to get out of that job. It just ain't worth the big bucks that they're paying you to be the aerobics instructor on men's night, all right? So here's the deal. I finally go to sweep her off of her feet. I pull up in my muscle car. It was a four-door, lemon-yellow Chevy Chevette hatchback, all right? When I drove through the mountains, I'd have to get going really fast downhill so that I could, I'm like, sometimes I thought I'd start rolling backwards down the hill. Anyway, I pull in, and there's all these guys looking out the window because she had told them, the guy that gave me this is coming. So I'm trying to puff up my chest, you know, and wear my muscle shirt, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and put her on my arm and walk her out to the car, and I open up the door to the four-door yellow Chevy Chevette hatchback, slam the door, get in the car. I completely lost track of where I parked, where the scenario was around me. I pulled forward instead of backing up. I went over that giant concrete... <laughs> So all these guys are looking at Mr. Studmuffin, the man of her dreams that she's been embellishing, you know, for all these weeks and months. And I pull over the concrete parking thing. And then I'm like, I cannot believe I just did it. Now my car is doing one of these, you know. And now I have a dilemma. Do I try to reverse the process or do I just plow through? So I just plowed through. How many of you know the Lord will keep you humble in a variety of means? And so, and I'm looking at my wife like, seriously, I am the man of your dreams, all right? She definitely did not marry me for my cars or for, uh, I'm not sure what else. But anyway, we were... We were in love, and that, and that ring 
that wedding engagement ring was the picture that there was a union coming. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is our wedding ring, it's our engagement ring? And check this out. What does the Holy Spirit do? He tells us how awesome Jesus is. He opens our eyes to the greatness of Jesus. Do you know you've got to have a close relationship with the Holy Spirit if you are going to walk in intimacy with God? And perhaps part of the reason why in our churches today we struggle with our intimacy and our relationship is because we simply don't cherish the Holy Spirit. Maybe He's unknown. We just don't know Him. And the consequence of that is we experience so little of Him. The Holy Spirit's telling us, here's what He's doing. He's telling you how awesome your bridegroom Jesus is. He's telling you how much he loves you. He's telling you all that he did so that this relationship could be real and alive and vital. And I need some helper. I want my guys on the front row there, my sons, to help me out here. Can you guys bring out the, uh, the cross? And I want the cross to be front and center. Johnny, I need your help too. You're the third member of the Trinity this morning. Come on up here. All right, I want to show you all something. If you guys could each take a strand of this. I should have three strands here. Jason, if you, keep that right there, Jay. I want you to take this strand and head that direction. And Joel, I want you to take this strand. I want you to head down the center aisle. And Johnny, take this strand right here. Nope, not that one. Right here. I want you to head that way. I want to show you something really powerful. All right. I just taught from this passage that all the entire Godhead is moving to bring us blessing and union. The whole goal, you guys got to hear this with me, the whole goal of everything that we do here should, should culminate in one thing, intimacy with Jesus. That Why are we here this morning? If you don't leave here more in love with Christ than you came, we've, we've missed it. Why, why do we have any of our ministries? It's, you know, why do we have ministries to get people set free? It's just so that their hearts can get healed. Why? So they can love Jesus the way that we, we want to enjoy God. You with me? Everything. Why do we read the Bible? Not because it's a menu and then we leave without ordering. No, we read the Bible because it leads us to a person who gave his life for us. But I want you guys to see something. We got the Father who's committed, chooses us. We have the Son who redeems us. We have the Holy Spirit, who is the wedding band, who comes into our hearts and seals the deal and reminds us that we're sons and daughters of God. But I want to show you something. All of this culminate, every blessing of Christ comes to us at the cross. All right? Because how does Jesus identify with our humanity the most? He was born under a curse. He was born of a woman, right? He came into this world. He was wearing our curse for sin. When he was nailed on this cross, what did they put on his head mocking him? They put on his head a crown of what? Thorns are part of the curse. He was literally crowned king of the cursed. Now, he was sinless. But when he was looking for you and pursuing you, where did he find you? He didn't find you in the temple because you're holy and righteous. No, he found all the Pharisees in the temple. I'll tell you where he finds us. He finds us at the cross. 
And you'll never know Jesus until you meet him at the cross. At the cross is where he took the curse and transformed it into a blessing. The cross is where he wore the crown of shame, where he was stripped naked, beaten beyond recognition, and nailed here. And with his blood, he made access for me and for you to have relationship with him. And can I just tell you something? This is where many people drop the ball, and this is where many people do not experience intimacy with God. This is why that verse where Jesus says, I never knew you. Oh, no, Lord, I was, I was on serving on that team. I was a member at Livingstone's church. I even gave money for missions. And can you imagine the Lord saying, sorry, I don't know you. What's he talking about? He's talking about people that never experienced their own death at the cross. You know, there's a lot of selfishness in the church. There's a lot of people who just want to baptize their life in the church. There's a lot of people who come to church because they want Jesus to work for them. They want to employ Jesus to make their life better. But that's not the gospel. Jesus meets us at the cross. His death brings about a resurrection. And listen to me, this is for all of us. If we're not willing to die, we can't experience union. Because this is where the union takes place. Jesus said, you have to die to your old life, which means you've got to surrender your agenda, your passions, your lust, your addictions, your brokenness, your pain, your sin. You've got to be willing to bring it all and meet him right here. Because if you don't share his suffering and his death, you'll never share in his resurrection and his life. And I wonder if our experience of God is so shallow because we're still so big and he's still so little in us. I wonder if people are convenient sitting in the, in the audience gazing at the cross respectfully, but they won't dare come near the cross to die there, to yield everything to the Lord. But I'll just tell you this, if there's no death, there's no resurrection. And if you don't share in the death of Christ, you can't share in his resurrection and life. And this, this is where, you know, like at, on an altar, we get married up here at the altar, right? And we make vows and we exchange rings and we make a covenant. Guess where you make your covenant with Jesus? At the cross. And you know what? Some people are like, I'm not so sure I'm into this commitment thing. Maybe we'll just date for a long time. (laughs) No, guess what? You don't have a marriage if you don't come to the altar and make a covenant. This is where you encounter Jesus. In your brokenness and your sin and your shame and your repentance and your willingness to lay your life down. How many of you know in John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, right? And you are the branches. We didn't grow out of Jesus. In other words, we didn't come out of his life. We were grafted into Jesus. Y'all remember that? Now, when, I want you to see this. When something is grafted, say this is a living tree, and you want to graft a branch into this tree, that tree has got to be sliced open. It's got to be a, a way made to where that you cut it deep enough that it goes into the, to the heart of that tree to where that branch can be put in there, and you can put a dressing on it. And then this is what has to happen. That thing that's grafted in has to stay abiding in that tree, in that vine, long enough so that the sap, that the life of that vine starts to be the life of that grafted on. In other words, if you tear away that graft, it's not going to live, is it? It's going to die. So you have to stay abiding in the source before that's the life source can come into you. 
which means if you're not pursuing God throughout the week, if you're not spending time with him, you're, you're not abiding in him, there's no life flowing into you. And then we wonder why we struggle to live this Christian life. You have to, but I want you to see this, the, the source has to be cut. What happened to Jesus on the cross? Nailed to the cross, pierced hands, pierced feet, shredded uh, body from the whipping that he endured, crown of thorns pounded onto his head, spear put into his side. How many of you know at each of those wound places is where he invites us to be grafted into the vine? But before you can be grafted in, you've got to be separated from. There has to be a severing from what you were once growing on and what you were once growing in. I want our worship team to make your way up here. So here's what I'm getting at today. The Father's calling, the Son's redemption and blood, the Holy Spirit's love, his, his, his filling, his stamping, sealing, his wedding ring, all converge at this point right here. And this is where Jesus invites us to come. And I want to encourage some of you today. You know, people that say, well, I, I tried that church thing. Yeah, that's the problem. You went to the restaurant, you looked at the menu, and you didn't order, and you got up and you left, and you said, I tried it. Jesus isn't looking for you to try him out. Jesus is looking for you to die. Jesus is looking for you to give up your life so that you can experience his life. His life is much better. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places comes through the cross and into our lives through our covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Guys, you can go ahead and drop that, drop that rope. But I want you to see this. You and I are standing on this side of the cross. All right? We're connected to the Father. We're connected to the Son. We're connected to the Holy Spirit. But the full benefit of this has to go through the cross. Which means we've got to die. Which means what, what's happening today, and can I just, I'm going to be real, real honest with you, okay? While I'm in Hawaii, we're coming home, uh, all this kind of stuff, we're on the plane. Now, Marion can tell you, I don't watch movies. I'm not a movie guy. I don't, you know, I'm not the guy out on Friday nights watching movies. It's just, I'm not condemning that. It's just not me. I'm not a movie guy. We're on the plane for nine hours, and there's movies. So I'm looking through the movies. A movie comes up. It says, uh, sexuality, nudity, profanity, uh, and my flesh says, why don't you just watch that? And I'm like, I, I don't want to watch that. I'm a pastor. I'm a man of God. I have a walk with Jesus. I have a calling on my life. I had the strongest desire to hit that button and watch that movie because my flesh was just looking for satisfaction. Now, how many know it's counterfeit satisfaction? But it's, it's cheap, carnal. It was my flesh. And I'll just say this. If it wasn't for my wife, and it wasn't for the fact that I kept reminding myself of who I am, I thank God I wasn't alone. Have you ever been with yourself and you realize how weak you are? I don't want to be alone. You know why? I need you to pursue Jesus. This is why I don't like to travel internationally alone. I, I, know, I know how the devil wants to play on my flesh. So you know what I have to do? I have to keep running back to this. And I have to say, God, help me be the man you've called me to be. 
God, I crucify my lusts, my passions, my evil desires. I crucify my flesh. Jesus, I want to walk with you and I want to know you. And then you've got to replace it. So you've got to pull out your word. You've got to pull out something to read. You've got, you got to feed your spirit, man, the truth. But I'm just, I'm just being real with you. Is that about as real as I can get? So don't ever put me on a pedestal. You, you'll find me right where I want to find you, right at the foot of this cross, holding on as tight as I can. Because I know, listen to what the Bible says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And Marion always reminds us, reminds our kids, we're one bad decision away from a mess. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God that the Father, Son, and Spirit are all pursuing your success and that you're empowered right here at the cross. This is what I want to do today. I simply want to make room for us to re-encounter Jesus at the point of covenant, which is the cross. If you want to come to the cross, great. If you want to come to the altar, if you want to just sit where you're at. But here's what I want. Let's refresh that vital living union with Jesus. Talk to him personally. Thank the Holy Spirit for being the wedding ring on your heart right now. Ask the Lord for fresh fire in your life. And let's just, let's as we're singing, make this real. Make our covenant real. Make our relationship real. And if you need to come and just throw off some junk and repent of some things, come and do that. The altars are open, but we're, we're just going to worship here for a second, all right? Hop to your feet with me and... Join our worship team as we sing together.